called grace, folks. That's called grace. We must believe in order to receive His righteousness. Thanks for joining us at Hope of Our Calling. Let's get started in our study of 1 Peter. Well, hi everyone, and welcome back to Hope of Our Calling. So glad you're with us today. Well, we've got a lot to do to get through to the end of chapter 2, so how about we just jump right in. As always, we're going to do a quick review. Last week we talked about submission and how our submission to the Lord brings glory. We looked at two examples of that when we looked at Joseph and we looked at Daniel. When we looked at Joseph, we saw that there were multiple trials and tribulations that Joseph went through. And yet, we could see throughout his life a constant thread of commitment and dedication to the things of the Lord and honoring the Lord That's basically what we're called to do because we're called in the Bible his ambassadors. And that's what Joseph was being. Joseph was an exemplary example of an ambassador for the Lord. We saw that when he declared to Potiphar's wife, I cannot sin against God. And even though he was then thrown into another pit, so to speak, into the prison, he still rose to the top received honor, because when those who don't know the Lord see the Lord through our lives as they're supposed to, God gets the glory. We are his ambassadors. We must remember that. The second example we looked at was Daniel. And Daniel had made a likewise commitment. He had declared that he would not defile himself, basically with the things of this world. The Bible says that though we're in the world, we're not of it. Our spirit has been reborn. We have been reconnected with the God-given spirit of Adam and Eve. I was walking today, and I was thinking about that, that disconnect of our spirit. And it seemed prior to the temptation to doubt God All that Adam and Eve heard was God's words. They trusted in God's word. And then Satan came along in the form of a serpent. And he sowed the seed of doubt. And that doubt only took root because Eve listened. We are to take captive every thought that comes into our mind, into our sphere, and seeks to influence us into doubt. God has given us his living word from Genesis to Revelation. For those who are students of God's word, the blessings are abounding. Jesus said in John 10.10, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. And every born-again believer can acclaim to that. Our life is purposeful. 
It is meaningful. It has a commission by our Lord and Savior himself. Go into all the world, make disciples, meaning share the truth and grow them up in the things of the Lord. We'll take a look at that later. Back to Daniel. So Daniel was another example of someone fully committed to the Lord and thus used by the Lord. And for our privileges, oh my goodness, so much do we see in Daniel's life. Not only the testimony of the Lord shutting the mouths of the lion, but also the prophecy that God poured through Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. It is a, if it is not the most prophetic chapter about the things that are and the things yet to come, it is right there at the top. But it does give the exact day that the Messiah rode into Jerusalem on the foal of an ass as prophecy predicted, which scholars of the time should have known and yet missed. My husband often says, so what other Messiah rode into Jerusalem on that date? God wants us to know the truth. But we find it, let me think, I think it's in Isaiah where it says that it is the, it is God that hides things, but it is an honor of the king to seek them out. When we seek out God's truth in his word, we begin to see the fuller picture of what is happening yesterday, today, and tomorrow. With Daniel, we saw that. Daniel was brought into a Babylonian kingdom. He was used by God through several monarchs. And then he still ministers to us by telling us what is yet to come for earth as we wait for the Lord's return. So God used Joseph and Daniel to bring his glory about and to minister into their lives that when we submit to God's way, when we wait on him, when we seek his wisdom, when we love him as commissioned with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, all the glory that comes, the intimacy with God that comes. So that's what we studied about last week. This week, we're going to be studying about acceptable with God. So let's start at verse 20. We talked about it a little bit last week, but let's start there and we'll go all the way through the end of the chapter. So verse 20 says, For what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your faults, you should take it patiently? But if when you do well and suffer for it, and you take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his footsteps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously, 
who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. For you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Now, so far, Peter has been doing everything he can to not only tell us how precious we are to the Lord, even calling us precious and beloved, but also giving us guidance and instruction and exhortation on those things that we are to put off, those things that wardrobe the world has put on us. He's calling us to let it go, take it off, and submit to the Lord so that the Lord can then put his robes of righteousness about us. We are called to hold fast to the profession of our faith. We hold fast to the profession of our faith, not only in trials, but also in our actions. If somebody were to look at you, would you be found guilty of being a Christian? Merely by somebody watching you and your life. I hope so. I hope so for me. We have been told that we're chosen and we're redeemed, we're anointed to be his bride, and that we're the temple of his spirit. We need to get rid of looking like the world and submit and allow the master craftsman to mold us and shape us into that glorious bride he has called us to be. In our scriptures today, it says that Christ is our example. Psalm chapter 85 verse 13 says, Righteousness will go before him and shall make his footsteps our pathway. And Jesus himself said in John 13, verse 15, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Saints, again, we're ambassadors. We're to be shining the light of Christ in a very, very dark world. Because those that reject him now reject him boldly. Last week, we lost 80 saints in North Korea merely for having a Bible. The Bible is not offensive to the world. The Bible is offensive to the defeated one who is only out to lie to you, to rob from you, and to steal from you your eternal destination, which is heaven. God would have none to perish. As I started to say, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a right spiritual relationship with the Lord. The second the doubter got into their ear, the spirit shifted to the things of the flesh, because that's all he was promising. But if we did the comparison, eternal perspective versus worldly perspective are at opposite ends of the spectrum as light and darkness. But the light makes the darkness 
flee. That's why it is imperative we hold fast to the profession of our faith. And it talks about, in verse 21, that Christ is our example and we should follow in his footsteps. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 15 says, For we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. That's why we need his spirit. That's why we need to be born again through our submission, through our acknowledging that he's God, we're not. That he's the master craftsman and we're his creation. That his ways are higher than ours, past finding out except what he would reveal to us that he does in his word. In Luke chapter 9, verse 23 through 25, he says, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? God is not going to force you into heaven. And he's declared, there is but one way. John fourteen six. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me, declares Jesus. It is important that we understand with submission, we give him permission to take our lives and to do what he will with our lives, with the understanding he's a good God, with the understanding that he's working all things to the good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. That is the hope of our calling, that we know these truths. We know the promises of his word. And we know he can't lie. We also know the meaning that he is creating an amazing bride who will one day rule and reign with him, which we are a part of. Verse 23 says, When he was reviled, he reviled not. And when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges rightly. In John chapter 12, verse 27 through 28, Jesus said, It was for this hour that I came into the world. Father, glorify thy name. Is that the attitude of your heart as you go through trials and tribulations? God, glorify your name. Get the glory in this, Lord. Let me see your glory in this. In Matthew 26, verse 39, it talks about that time period when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, becoming fully aware of the heaviness and the severity of what was coming. He sweated great drops of blood, but he prayed, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Let me tell you something about that cup and a tradition in the Jewish faith. 
When there is to be a marriage, the bridegroom and his father negotiate with the father of the bride the bridal price. And there is a cup there. And if the bridegroom accepts the great weight because it must be the most costly thing he will ever have to pay for, if he agrees to that payment, he takes of the cup and he drinks. This is our bridegroom in the garden realizing the weight of this cup and asking his father if it was possible. If what was possible? If the redemption of man is possible in any other way, let it pass from me. If we could be redeemed in any other way, in any manly way, if we could work for our redemption, or if any effort could be made that we could accomplish our redemption, if we could be good enough, if we could be righteous enough, righteous enough, if we could keep the law, if we were sincere enough, then let the cup pass. But the cup didn't pass from him. He went ahead and he drank that cup, indicating that there is only one way by which salvation or redemption for man is possible. And it's through the cross, the dying to self. And do you remember that wonderful word he said? He said, nevertheless, Lord. Are you in a trial or a tribulation right now? Can you offer that sacrifice of praise and say, nevertheless, Lord? Job did. In the book of Job, he said, though he slay me, I will trust him. That is the depth our love should be at. Because God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That means every part of your being must be in love with God. Because he first loved you, he first loved me, and he died before I was born, before we were born. Yet he knew us before time began. There is no definition for love except Christ. The Bible says, No greater love has anyone than he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus called us his friends. But he also calls us in this understanding that we have to submit. We have to die to ourselves. We have to put off the world and allow his robes of righteousness to clothe us. We need to live unto righteousness. Matthew 10, 38 says that he that does not take up his cross and follow Christ is not worthy of him. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 20 says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What is righteousness? And how do we attain it? 
The one thing that we know, if we honestly look at ourselves, is our hearts are deceitfully wicked, as Jeremiah says. And our righteousness, as Isaiah says, is like filthy rags, which in in its truest form means dead blood. It has no life. But when we come before the cross and acknowledge we have no ability in our own might to do any salvation work whatsoever according to God, but believe the method he gave, the way he gave, when we surrender to that, the power of that is extraordinary. It is extravagant. It's magnificent. It is incomprehensible. But that's its glory. It's, it's incomprehensible. He picks us up and he shows us great and mighty things we know not. If we would but trust him. And it's difficult. I'm so blessed by Paul saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? Paul was completely aware of his shortcomings. But we have 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Every day we stumble and fall, but the cross is still there. And in confession, in acknowledging our weakness, but his glory, when I'm weak, he's strong. And when I'm blind, he gives me sight. When I can't hear, if I would be still and wait, I get that wisdom I need. That's called grace, folks. That's called grace. We must believe in order to receive his righteousness. 1 John chapter 2.29 says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. Again, the implication is, we can't do it. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. There it is again. Being born again. Getting that spiritual connection once again with God's very own spirit, whom we have in our hearts. We're called the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need it. We need that intimacy. We need that closeness of God's spirit that we might ask for that wisdom that we need in everything. Remember the Proverbs chapter 3? In all your ways, acknowledge him. Promise? He'll direct your path. This world is filled with potholes and pits that we get stuck in and quicksand and hurricanes. But our peace comes in knowing God and that we have his very own spirit, that spirit that hovered on the waters, that spirit that co-authored creation. That spirit dwells in us as born-again believers who've given everything over to trust the Lord. The last verse in our passage today says, But you were a sheep going astray. Oh boy, weren't we ever. But are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Romans chapter 6, 16 says, Likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, 
but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? We're in Christ. God the Father, when it comes to judgment time, he won't see our sin. He'll see the blood of Christ because that's what we put everything in. John 16.33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. In our verse, it says, shepherds and bishops of our soul. It makes me instantly think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And if you just study that psalm, you will see that that psalm declares that he not only leads me, he provides for me, he calms me, he restores me, he walks with me in my trials and tribulations, he strengthens me, he corrects me, he rescues me, he leads me. He feeds me. He anoints me. He overwhelms me with the knowledge that I have a home not made with earthly hands, but by God, eternal in the heavens. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want for anything. If my heart is sold out to my beloved, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, it says, For I reckon that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. That should delight your heart. That is our hope. That is our future. That glory and in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. And match that with Matthew twenty-eight nineteen that says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We receive his righteousness, that we might share his righteousness and teach his righteousness that others would then go and also share his righteousness. We are chosen we have a gift. We have a responsibility. But it all bears much fruit in our submission to His glory. See you next week. For more information about Kendra Martin and Hope of Our Calling, you can email her at kendramartinministries at gmail.com or visit the website at www.hopeofourcalling.org.